Come on, can we just welcome all those that are joining us live right now? So excited to have all of you with us. We are in week one of a series called You Asked For It. And I want to say this, you guys asked for it. You asked amazing questions. So here's how the series works. About a month and a half, two months ago, uh, we asked you guys to text in uh, questions that you wanted me to answer. And you guys are smart. I'm telling you, some of these were just intense, uh, really deep questions. And so here's what I've done. I've boiled it down to the three questions that I felt that were, uh, that were repeated, that were asked uh, most. And in in, in so here's, here's how we're going to deal with it. Next week, we'll start with next week. Next week, I'm going to answer some questions about the relevancy of the Bible. A lot of questions you guys ask. For example, Pastor, you know, is the God of the Old Testament the same as the God of the New Testament? That's a big question. How about this one? Some of you guys asked. You know, in Leviticus, it talks about, you know, we can't eat certain foods, and does that apply today? I live in Louisiana. That's hard, Pastor. I'll be honest. That's you guys have asked amazing questions about do, does, the, does, does the ethic of how we are to relate to one another in the Bible, does that apply today? After all, this is the 21st century. So I'm going to be talking about the relevance of the Scripture, the reliability of Scripture. I'm going to be talking about the Bible next week. This is a message to bring a skeptic to, somebody that's not sure about the Bible. Week three, which will be the last week before August, I'm going to talk to you about the end times. You guys have continuing to ask me a lot of questions. Last year, I did the book of 1 Thessalonians. Uh, two years ago, I did the book of Revelation in the fall. I taught it six weeks on a Sunday uh, on a weekend service uh, as well. I think four years ago, I did the book of Daniel. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to boil all that down, and I'm going to do one 35-minute message Five things that you need to know about the end times today. What do you need to know? What is Israel's part? A lot of questions about, do we, do we concern ourselves with Israel? Is that just media propaganda? Or is that really something that is significant, biblically speaking? So I'm going to be touching all of those issues week three today. I want to answer a question you guys asked a lot of questions about. It's in the whole area of depression. How do I overcome Depression. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to have a real-life, candid conversation about depression. We're also going to touch a little bit on suicide. Many of you guys are familiar. Those of you that have been, of course, watching the news at any level the last four, six, eight weeks, there's been some real uh, famous people in Hollywood. There's been some very powerful people in the world, whether uh, uh, the Kate Spade and the clothing designer. I, nem- I remember a number of years ago, somebody that I grew up watching, who I love, who made me laugh, Robin Williams, who committed suicide. How could somebody that their whole life was geared toward and their gift set was geared towards making people laugh, and yet he ended up taking his own life? The reality is, is that suicide is the ultimate outcome of someone that has been experiencing severe depression. Now, I want to talk about a continuum today. I want to talk about the first level of depression, which would be mild depression, which comes from just disappointment in things in life. All of us get disappointed. Things don't work out the way we thought. We didn't get into the college we wanted to, or we were trying to buy a house that somebody else got, oh, we had our heart set, or some, there was a shift in something, a business shift. There was a shift. There's a, all of us experience disappointment. 
And emotionally, we experience a little bit of a depressed state where, where we feel bummed out. Now, that's a mild depression, but there's another level, and that's a moderate depression. See, here's the point. The first one affects your, your thinking and your emotions. The second one affects deeply your emotions you're the moderate category. This is burnout. This is depletion. But the third one, the severe level, is where it actually affects your physiology, where your brain chemistry is altered, where things begin to affect you. When you get into that level of severe depression, you need to seek immediate uh, help from a doctor, from a, a, a professional therapist. I'm gonna talk about that over and over and over. I wanna talk to you today about how do we overcome depression, whether mild, moderate, or severe. The fact is, we live in a stressed out culture. Think about how stressed people are. We went in 125 years ago, we went from an agrarian society, then we had the, we had the industrial revolution turn of the century. Now people are leaving farms, they're going to the, they're, they're going to the factories. There's, there's a little minimal disintegration of the family unit because now we're leaving, we're going, and it's a little bit of a tension and a stress. But you know, 50, 50 years, 60 years, 1960s, 70s, 80s, now we've got the information of the technology explosion. Now we don't have to go to work, work comes to us. Now it's emails and things, and we've got it all over us, and, and my gosh. And so, so every time you get an email, by the way, there's a little adrenaline boost. You do, you do realize that. There's something that happens in, in just the whole surrounding of our environment. Now we have 24 hours news. We can in one day be freaked out about a potential, if you live in California specifically, a potential nuclear you know, a, brrr, a bomb coming over here from North Korea. Secondly, maybe some sort of a financial meltdown and an active shooter in a local office or a school. All in one day. Can you imagine the sensory overload? And we think that we're just, it's benign that it doesn't impact our emotional level. It affects us. It impacts us. So, so we've got to learn. Listen, we can't escape the world. Jesus said himself, in this world, you're going to deal with stuff. But you can live differently. But you can be wise. But you can do it my way. So I want to talk to you today. How do we overcome depression? Whether you're experiencing mild depression, where you're just kind of bummed out, overcoming disappointment in life, to some of you have entered into more of a moderate depression level, where it's starting to affect you. It's, 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 not a, it's, 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 it's becoming routine. It's almost like every day when you're waking up. You're waking up, and it's this gloomy feeling. Some of you, and I want to say this, some of you are actually experiencing severe depression. 9.8 of the adult population, almost 10%. Experiencing severe depression where it is affecting not only your thinking and your feeling base, but your physiology, your, 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 your chemistry, your, your blood, the, the endorphins in your body. There's a depletion of things that you and I need. I want to say this. If you're experiencing any of those levels, specifically severe depression, I want every campus to hear me. You can get help. You don't have to end your life. There is hope. Come on, how many of y'all believe that? There is hope. There is hope. February 2010, we were in a building campaign. Uh, I think it was the longest building campaign in American Christianity. I, I don't know if there's a Guinness Book of World Records, but we, uh, our church was exploding, a lot of growth here on the North Shore, and 
Uh, in 2008, we did a big capital campaign uh, to build this building that we're in right here, uh, which is a $40 million building. We, we took up pledges. It was $20 million. We had a lot of money come in the first three months. This is the spring of 2008. And those of you that were part of the church at that time uh, know exactly uh, how it was. And there was an excitement, of course, that summer, you know, it's like, what's going on? What's going on? Gas prices went crazy and just, it was just nuts. And then all of a sudden the market starts crashing and the bank comes to us in the fall of 2008 and pulls our loan. The problem is, is that we were already $3.8 million into the project. We had cleared land. We had done the slab. We're all, and I'm like, my gosh, what do we do now? And I'll never forget just the tension, just the anxiety on the inside. You're a young pastor in your 30s. You're going to build $40 million building campaign, and, and, and you're meeting with people, and you're casting vision. And at the same time, they're saying, Pastor, pray for me. I don't want to lose the shopping center that I own. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, I hope they honor their pledge at the same time. How can you do that? You talk about tension internally for a leader. And I began to carry that every day and every night. And I was sleeping from seven hours to six hours to five hours to four hours. And I would get up and I, mean, I was just literally, I was just, I was melting down. I'll never forget February 2010. We're in that two, two, every month, by the way, we've got bills, by the way. Every month, bills and contractors and things. I'm like, my gosh, what are we? We have no loan, no loan. The bank said we needed to raise $25 million before they were, and we're doing this in a recession, above the tides. I'll never forget 2010, I came out, and I'm preaching, February 2010, and I'm looking at everybody, and I'm thinking to myself, and I'm not talking about some weird out-of-body experience, but I'm going to tell you, I'm, I'm, it's like I'm evaluating myself, and I'm thinking to myself, whoa, you're not well. Oh, my gosh. And I remember going back between services, and I called our elders, and Pastor Randy Craighead was there, and I said, guys, I said, I got to tell you something. I'm, 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 I'm melting down. They took my kids, my kids, they got a babysitter for my kids. My wife came to church. She was at the Saturday night. I think she was there, and she went back to get clothes, they, and she picked me up. We drove to Mobile, Alabama, to the Grand Hotel. I couldn't talk. I couldn't talk. Finally, at 10 o'clock on Monday, I just started crying and crying and crying. And here's what I did tell. This was good. I'd say, I've not sinned. I've not done anything immoral. Nothing's coming out. But I'm not well. Thank God for some great elders. Thank God that they rearranged my schedule. Instead of preaching five times on the weekend, which was just an adrenaline burst, go down. Adrenaline burst, go down. Adrenaline burst, I was doing the newcomer's dinner. That's when we went to video, by the way. That's when we started at our Little Creek campus video. That's when I stopped shaking hands with every single person I have at church. That's why I, I, I used to tell people, I prided myself on this. I will meet every single newcomer if it's 12 o'clock at night, literally, and some took me up on it. I was like, I just play it. I just <laughs> And I began a journey through that, and I got counseling. And I began a journey the last eight years. It took me about a year and a half to really get my, my thinking and my health, about a year specifically. And I began a, a journey of understanding how to live healthy. How, how do you preach the gospel, and yet you feel like you're depressed? Listen, that's in the Bible. Do, do you know, last week I talked about Mother Teresa. Do you know that she actually experienced extreme depression in her life? You ought to read her, her, her memoirs. Read about her. How, how about Martin Luther King, Jr.? who experienced severe depression. Abraham Lincoln, one of the greatest presidents in the United States. The conflict of the Civil War in the North and the South and all of the tension in his spirit. Political leaders, that's why we need to pray. Listen, this is real stuff. 
And that's why I want to talk to you today about how to overcome depression. If you have your Bible, I'm going to ask you to open up to 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings chapter 19, there's an incredible man in the Old Testament, Elijah. Now, a lot of times you hear about Elisha. This is Elijah, the, the, the mentor of Elisha. Elisha was the protege. The older man was Elijah. We're talking about him. 1 Kings chapter 19, he, he was the one that did incredible things. They both did, but, but uh, he, he was the one, by the way, that spoke to the heavens, and the heavens shut up and didn't rain, and then he spoke again. I mean, God used this guy in amazing ways. I'm talking amazing ways. Yet he comes to a moment in his life where, where, where things are not good. 1 Kings chapter 19, he had just defeated in 1 Kings 18, 450 prophets of Baal. He had challenged them. The wicked king Ahab, who was after him, the 19th king of Israel, who was after trying to take Elijah out. And Elijah said, listen, why don't you get all of your prophets and we'll go call fire down. And the 450 wicked prophets, the evil prophets, they were trying to call fire down. It didn't happen. And Elijah spoke to the heavens, and the fire came down and burned up the altar. The next chapter later, so you got to think about this. The very next chapter later, here's what happens. 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 1. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, how he had executed all the prophets with the sword. Now, I want you to think about this. Ahab is this wicked Darth Vader-like figure. He's a king. And he was after Elijah. But Ahab was so frustrated by the fact that he couldn't take out Elijah. You know what he did? He actually tapped his wife, Jezebel, and says, I need you to take this thing over. And Jezebel said, absolutely. I was waiting for the, the opportunity. I'm going to kill that prophet. And she comes after Elijah. Now watch this. This is a fascinating story. The Bible says, then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so let the gods do to me. And more also, if I did not make your life as the life of one of them by Damar about this time. What life? Just like those guys were killed? Just like they were killed with the fire and sword? Just like that Elijah took him out? Listen, tomorrow I'm going to take your life out. I want you to send the message to him. Here's a prophet who's worked miracles. Here's a man that literally called fire down from heaven. And he's challenged by this evil queen. And how does he respond? The Bible says in verse 3, And when he saw that, he arose and he ran for his life. This is Elijah. He panics. The same prophet that's calling down fire. The same prophet that's raising the dead. The same prophets that work in signs and wonders and miracles is now running for his life because of the word of this wicked queen. He's exhausted. He, he's tired, he's alone, and he runs to the edge of the desert, and he actually says something that literally, if it's not, this is just so profound that he would come from the, the heights of the mountaintops to the depths of despair in the valley. Look, 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 what, he, look what he says in verse four. It's too much, Lord. What's too much? <clears throat> this pressure that he feels. It's too much, Lord. Take Away my life. I might as well be as a dead man. Calling down fire? Doing miracles? Defeating the enemy? Declaring droughts? Declaring rain? 
And now because of the word of one person, he's despairing of life and he's praying, oh God, take my life. It's not even worth it, Lord. Take my life. That's heaven. Wow. You know, it's amazing when we're depleted how our reasoning skills. It's amazing when we lose objectivity, when you're tired, when you're overly exhausted, when you're depleted mentally, emotionally, physiologically. It's, a, it's amazing how we, we lose something that would seem so, 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 so small compared to the reality of what you know that you can do, what God's done through your life, and yet you come to a point where you actually despair of life. How's that possible? How is it possible that this even happens? Well, now we understand through medical science, we understand this, this, this thing that affects people called depression. Depression is a very real thing. Matter of fact, I've got a medical definition for you guys, and it's here, here's what it is. Depression, it's a medical condition that causes a persistent feeling of sadness and loss of interest. Depression affects how we think, how we feel, how we behave. It can leave us feeling like life's not worth it. And again, I want to say this to everybody at all of our campuses. There is a continuum. There is mild depression. All of us experience mild depression where we are impacted in our thoughts and our emotional level because of disappointment. Something didn't work out the way that we thought. We really were believing for something. There was a shift. That, that's, that, that, that can happen. I mean, we just, we just kind of get in a little bit of a funk. But then there's another level of moderate depression. Moderate depression where it's beginning to impact you at a deep level of a persistent. There's a persistency to this. And, and, and then there's the severe. And when it goes into severe, your chemicals, your, your, your actual uh, neuro patterns, your brain, all of this stuff, the, the endorphins, the, the depletion of that in your body, you are now in a clinically depressed state. It's not just mental. It's not just emotional. It's physiological at that point. When you get to that point, I mean, you need immediate help. Immediate help. And, and you know what happens in church is in church, we get so ashamed to be able to admit that we're struggling. We're in church. We should be a, a woman of God, a man of God. And so we're embarrassed by that. Why? Because other people have gone through that. Other people didn't get into schools. Other people had relationships not work out. Other people started businesses and we thought, and they thought it was good, but it didn't. But, but, but I should be stronger than this. Why is this happening to me? Wow. Those lies come into our minds. And as Christians, we, we have to fight off those lies. As Christians, we have to press through. Everybody say press through. We've got to press through. We've got to ask for help. Let me give you some prescriptions of why I believe Elijah experienced depression. I'm going to get specific. I'm going to give you some analysis of why I think biblically he did, and then I'm going to give you some prescriptions of help. Number one, I think the reasons why people get depressed is we simply overdo it. We simply overdo it. You and I are human beings, not human doings. What that means is that we have a limitation built in. For years, Elijah had gone from spiritual battle to spiritual battle to spiritual battle to spiritual battle. Okay, let's translate this to today. We've got a deal. We're trying to close a deal. We're trying to do this. We're trying to do this. Listen, I understand there's seasons. Look, you're in medical school. You're studying for your, for your exams, but that's a season. But you can't live under that forever. Does that make sense? Of course, when we get arrogant, we get prideful, and that's where I was. Man, I can do it, and we can do this. Listen, even God... Even God, by the way, this fall, I'm going to do a whole series, four weeks, one called Overwhelm. 
I'm going to talk about this. Rhythms, rest, relationships, and renewal. I'm going to talk about God's prescription for health and expand this out because so many people are burning out, blacking out, frying out, and dying out. We've got to do it God's way. We've got to do it God's way. The truth of the matter is, is that we, 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 we press past our limitations so often. Paul said it this way, God's given me a sphere. How many times in your life did you know there was this thing in your stomach and you just kept pressing and you kept pressing and you kept pressing? Here's how it works. I'm not a doctor, but I do know this because I've done a lot of study and I've walked through it myself. Here's how it works. Real simple 101. Our brains our bodies get filled up with what's called healthy serotonin. It's a chemical. It's a neurotransmitter. So, so it's, a, it's a happy, feel-good hormone. When our brains are filled with that, we feel physiologically good. When you have persistent output over and over and over, and you're spinning the plates and spinning the plates because we're people pleasers and we have an inability to tell people no. We have an inability to draw boundaries lest we disappoint them and the fear of rejection that puts us in this, in this hook where we can't get out of it. So what happens is the more there's output and output and output, our serotonin levels start depleting. And when you're depleted of serotonin levels, there's two twins. One is anxiety and the other one is depression. So what you start doing is, what we all start doing, what I started doing is you start living off of adrenaline, which is another hormone, which God never intended for you and I to live off of adrenaline. Adrenaline is a fight or flight hormone. In other words, I don't want to say the building's on fire, you'll run out, but, but just, just, just if, if, if there's a fire, what it does is it jacks you up for a short-term burst problem is we live off of that stuff. And when you live off of that stuff, here's what happens. Here's what happens. Here's what happens. Your system starts shutting down because you can't live off of adrenaline. God never designed it that way. So, pastor, this is so psychological. It's biblical. It's psychological. It's emotional. And it's physiological. We have to understand this. So, so what are some symptoms? Number one, so we overdo it. We overdo it because we have an inability to draw healthy boundaries in our life, lest we fear people reject us and we don't please the world. Let me just help everybody. Let me just help everybody. Y'all ready? Here it is. Here it is. You can't please everybody. You can't. Number two, here's what happens. You start, these are symptoms, signs. We start isolating. We start isolating. We get depressed. Look at 1 Kings 19.3. He arose, ran for his life, and went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. In other words, we say, I'm not going to let anybody in. We start getting depressed. We start walling off. I know exactly where I was. I didn't want to shake hands with people. I didn't want to. It's like I had so much anxiety and depression. I thought, gosh, I don't want to because, because people are going to ask me, Pastor, when are we getting in the building? When are we getting? The I have no idea. Hopefully before the return of Christ. Are you with me? Well, pastor, did you hear from God or not? Yeah, I did, but a whole bunch of other people did, including you, so I'm sorry. We're all in this together. Lest I'm rude, I just thought, I'm just going gonna, I'm gonna, to I'm just gonna isolate. So when you start isolating, and let me just tell you something. If you're getting into, quote, the, that, that, that from moderate to severe depression, frequent tears, insomnia, weird appetite levels, over-binging or not eating enough. Are you with me? Irritability where something should just be small and you should get over it. And you're just like, wait, whoa, that was a reaction. 
geez, Louise, man, that didn't, that didn't fit the, the, I mean, your reaction is way out of proportion. That's somebody that is low and depleted. That, that's why they're reacting that way. They don't have reserves on the inside. That's why they're overreacting. So we, we start isolating. You, 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 you have somebody in a small group with you. They start isolating. They're going through heavy times. You have a bump with a kid. You have a bump at work. You have a bump in a relationship. You have a financial bump. All these bumps start adding up. You start isolating. Listen, you don't need to isolate. You actually listen. You need to step out and get people to help you. I'll never forget. when So our, so our, so our elders, I say, you know, you're going to go to a counselor. I want to go when to a counselor. Go to a counselor. I'm going to go to a counselor, professional counselor. I'll never forget, Pastor Randy brought me to the professional counselor. And I'll never forget, I walked up to it, and the, the sign said, psychotherapist. <laughs> and I'm like, ee, 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 ee. that's crazy, people, Randy. <laughs> I'm not that bad, man. Come on. And he goes, no, no, it's a, you know, I, I wanted like life coach. Doesn't that sound prosperous? Performance enhancer, not. <laughs> Y'all laughing at me? That's all right. After four days, guess what he told me? You are an adrenaline addict. You're addicted, just like somebody's addicted to heroin. You're addicted to adrenaline. And I'm gonna tell you, I had a wean off of that. Whew. I mean, that's a powerful, that's a drug, that adrenaline burst. I'm going to shake everybody. I'm going to be there. People call us. I'm going to do it. I mean, what happens is you can't perform that way. You cannot perform that way day in and day out, hour in and hour out, month in and month. You can't. Number three, what ends up happening is, is we sink into negativity. Look at verse four. It is enough now, Lord. Take my life. For I'm no better than my father's. Self-pity starts taking over. Watch this. When you start entering into this depressed condition, everything becomes exaggerated. Everything does. Something that's small, you'll never. I'll never. I'm always. Everything becomes exaggerated. You know what I'm talking about? It's just, it's just out of proportion. We're in a right mental place and a right mental and emotional condition. You would see clearly a strategic perspective of how to address and deal with that. Now you're just like, ah, it's so big. We go negative. Pastor, how do I get out of this? All right, let me just help you guys. I'm going to give you three things of how to get out of this. By the way, I'm going to be doing a series. I just want to tell you a little bit again in, the, in, in, in August, first week of August, where, where I'm going to be dealing with just healthy rhythms in life, spirit, soul, body. And uh, because we live, we, we, we are a culture that lives overwhelmed. And I believe as Christ followers, we need to be healthy, spirit, soul, and body. How many of y'all believe that? Y'all believe that? Spirit, soul, and body. All right. God's prescriptions for overcoming depression. Number one, eat, rest, and accept help. Look at verse five and six. I'm just teaching right through this story. Here we go. Then as he laid and slept under a broom tree, suddenly... An angel of the Lord touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. Then he looked, and there by his head was a cake baked on coals and a jar of water. So he ate, and he drank, and he lay down again. Look at the next verse, verse 7 and 8. 
And the angel of the Lord came back the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for you. So he arose and ate and drank, and he went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights as far as Horeb, the mountain of God. What happens in a situation like this? Notice, interestingly enough, what God does. Watch this, watch this. What does God do? He sends an angel not to ridicule him. Let me tell you what a depressed person does not need for you to beat them up. They, they really don't because they just, they're just, they're just, they're, they're so in the realm of their, it's, they're, they're just, you can't, notice he didn't go, you need to have more faith. And I teach faith. He didn't say, you know what, if you would have claimed to the promise, no. He, what he did is he began to practically help him as he was spiritually encouraging him. Let me say it again. He began to practically help him as he was spiritually. Sometimes one of the most spiritual things we can do is learn how to take a nap. That was good preaching, Pastor. <laughs> he needs to. So listen, how do, you repl- how do you replenish serotonin? How do you do it? Two ways. Number one, proper rest and physical exercise. Proper rest and physical exercise. So he says, he says eat rest and accept help. Why is it so hard for us to accept help? Why? Because we feel embarrassed. We feel ashamed. We feel like we should be the one with the answers. We feel like we we should be the strong one. We're we're so concerned about living in God's rhythms because somebody may think, I mean, listen, let me just say it this way. Who in the world, 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 walks up to somebody else and if somebody walks up to you and says, hey man, how you been doing? What's been going on? Nobody, nobody, nobody says nothing. No, if somebody asks you, how you doing? What's been going on? As an American, the badge of honor is for you and I to say this. Oh man, things have been great. I've been real what? Come on, say it. Busy. Nobody says, I've been doing nothing. Nada. Nunca. If you do that, you're a loser in America. You want a W, not an L right here. Isn't that right? I used to not, listen, I'll just be honest. I I used to, this is part of what led up to this first 10 years of the church. Thank God the last eight years, I would be scared about taking a day off. Uh, people in the community, they'll see me, you know, I gotta be working hard, pastor, build a church, you know, gotta preach, you know, you know so I'd be scared. You know, I just, I, people see me, you know, they may think, oh, I, I had a guy tell me, what do you do as a pastor? Just ride around, drink coffee, meet with people? I thought, I'm thinking dark thoughts right now. You better back up. <laughs> I ain't been saved that long, buddy. I'm just being honest. Huh? But, 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 but that. And so what we do is, and I just want to encourage some of you guys, isn't it interesting? I'm going to teach this. In the fall, six days God created the world, and then he rested. He didn't rest the seventh day because he was tired. He rested as a model. And the point of resting is he ceased working. Question, can you take a day off? Can you? Without feeling guilty. Without feeling, hey, can you allow your spouse, can you allow somebody else who you are, can you allow them to take it up without riding them? Are you with me? So I had to make some decisions in my life. I'm still making decisions in my life. Let me give you one of those. I'm not going to preach five times on a week. I'm not going to do two Saturday nights. I'm not going to do three Sunday mornings. I'll tell my friends when I go preach at church, I'm not preaching five times. I can't do that. I'm not going to do that because after three times, I'm thinking thoughts about the people I'm preaching to that are not Christian. <laughs> God loves you. I don't. And because I just got... 
I'm serious. I'm not going to do that. That's called a boundary. That's, called a, I can't, I, that's a boundary. Everybody say boundaries. So you got to have a little, and it's not like you, you walk around with an edge. You actually get better because you have health in your soul. All right? Man, I got a lot to say, but number two, let me give you a couple more things. We'll get, we'll, we'll close. Number two, so number one, it was eat, rest. I'm going to teach in this in, in August, healthy rhythms of rest and renewal, and then accept help. Two, replace lies with God's truth. Replace lies with God's truth. Look at verse 9 and 10. There he went into a cave, and he spent the night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? So he said, I've been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel. Watch this. Have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with a sword. Here it is. Here it is. This is a sure pathway into depression. Here it is. Get ready. I alone am left. And they seek to take my life. Let's pause there for a moment. God knew Elijah. He knew what he was doing. He understood the call that he put on his life. But what he said was false. It's not true. There wasn't only him left. Matter of fact, God says later, I've got 7,000 Elijahs. One of the main things that we need to expose the lie is that we are, listen, we've got to, matter of fact, the counselor told me, you know what he told me? He said, about day three, he goes, you got to learn to take the cape off. Cape? Cape? Cape in the 70s generation's Dracula. Is that what you're talking about? No, he said, the S, Superman. Quit trying to be all things to all people at all times, Steve. You're not the Savior. That's called Jesus. You're a terrible Savior. <laughs> Are you all with me? I thought, wow. He says, take the cape off. He says, you can't save everybody. You can't save anybody. You can't save yourself. Jesus is the Savior. You can point to the Savior. How many times in our minds as leaders do we think that we're the only ones? Ones, ones, ones. Well, first of all, if you're the only one, you're not a good leader because you should be empowering other people. Are you with me? Second of all, you should be equipping. You should be empowering. But third of all, the fact is, is that this world's doing just fine before you and I got here, and it's going to do just fine when we're gone. Are you with me? meaning how it's functioning. That is not suggesting that we don't have a divine assignment to make an impact, but we're not the Savior. That's my point. So the lie that we have to replace is that we're not Superman. And I want to say this very practically to parents. Look, man, I get it, okay? I mean, shoot, you know, you have one child, all right? You know, you got, kind of got it handled. It's two to one coverage. You have two, man to man, no problem. You have three children's own. You have four children, deep thirds. Don't get burned deep. Just don't get burned deep. Don't get burned deep. Don't get burned deep. Five, you need prayer. But anyway, so <laughs> I have four children. I get it. I get it. I'm going to teach you this fall that we've got to learn to make some decisions about what we can and what we can't do. Are you all with me? If you're running wild where you're losing your mind trying to be a good parent, there's something that we need to adjust. There's something that we need to adjust. All right, let me give you the last and five. Y'all learn anything today? Come on, y'all learn anything today? All right, here we go. In conclusion, now this is going to feel, this is going to feel paradoxical, what I'm getting ready to say. But listen to what I'm saying. I'm going to close it, and then we're going to pray. By the way, our altar is going to be open at all of our campuses for anybody that needs prayer. So I want everybody to hear this last point, 
all right? Number four, keep moving forward. Now, hear me closely. When we're depressed, we need to fight excessive introspection. To overcome depression, after you get rest, replace lies with truth, severe depression, get medical help, counseling, professional counseling, immediately, all right? But our part is that we do have to fight introspect. We have to, we have to keep, we've got to open up. We've got to keep moving forward. Wiser, more intentional, more strategic, but we can't, we can't just give up on life. Look at verse 15 and 16. Then the Lord said, go return to your way. He told Elijah, to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, anoint Haziel as king over Syria. And you shall anoint Jehu, the son of Nishmah, as king over Israel, and Elisha, the son of Shabbat, of Abel, of, I can't even pronounce that next word. You shall anoint as prophet in your place. In other words, listen to me. Here's what, in other words, go back to doing what prophets do. I believe the Spirit of the Lord will speak to all of us today. There is something still for us to do. Listen to me closely. When you start living healthy, when you start overcoming depression, you start getting your mind, your spirit, your body in rhythm the way that God intended you're hydrating, you're working, you're physically working out, you're staying in the Word of God, you're learning to say no, you're learning to have healthy boundaries, you're pushing past the fear of rejection that people might not approve of you unless you become a Savior to them. It doesn't work. It doesn't work doing that. It doesn't work becoming a Savior. I want to say this in conclusion. You still have an assignment from God. I had to realize this. I can't quit being a pastor. God's called me to be a pastor. God's hands upon my life. I got, I've got to do what I'm, I've got to do it better, more wisely. Are y'all with me? I've got to build in healthy rhythms of rest and renewal and healthy relationships, take the cape off, empower teams better, learn to say no in a godly, kind way, have healthy boundaries. But I've got to keep moving forward. God's hand's still upon your life. You know, when somebody gets hopeless and they go to that place of despondency, ultimately they feel like they're of no value and their life has no worth and no purpose. Let me just say this. You still have a purpose from God. You have an assignment from God. We need you on this earth. Matter of fact, I'm going to ask everybody to stand. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to ask our prayer team to come forward if they would right now, our teams at all the campuses and uh, our team is going to lead some worship. And just, we're here to minister to you. I want everybody, look at me, everybody at all the campuses. Please, campus pastors are on stage. I want to say this one last time. I want to go on record. I want everybody to hear me. Everybody hear me. But sometimes we miss it. If you are experiencing severe depression and you're having suicidal thinking, listen to me closely, listen to me closely. Ask for help immediately with a medical doctor, a professional counselor. As a church, we're going to pray for you and we're going to push you to medical help. Are you with me? There is hope. There is a way out. We're behind you. God is for you. You do not have to take your life. You do not have to. You do not have to. Let me pray. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for your grace and your goodness, that you're a good God, that you're here to minister your love and your kindness to us. If you're in this place and you do not know Christ, man, the Bible says whoever calls upon the name of Jesus shall be saved. Just simply open your heart to Christ. 
saying, Jesus, I need you. Come into my life. Wash me of my sins. Forgive me. Live by your spirit in me. I want to be a follower of you, Jesus. If you're in this place today and you're struggling, maybe at any level, you're just saying, Pastor, I just feel like I just... I just feel like I'm in this hole and I need prayer. We're here for you. We're here for you as a church. We want to push you to the appropriate levels of help. We want to pray with you. God's got a bright future for you. God's got better days for you tomorrow. I'm telling you, there is light at the end of the tunnel, the light of Jesus. Father, I bless your people. We thank you that you're teaching us. You're helping all of us to live the life that you intended. I bless your people as they go forth this day. In the wonderful name of Jesus. And everybody said, come on, can we give the Lord a hand clap? Can we do that? We love you guys. We're here to pray for you. God bless you.